Um, good day, everyone. This is Kristen, and welcome to the Pujojo Cast. For an hour or so, it is the mission of this podcast to speak nothing but our fantasies, dreams, and desires. Kasi yung manga and anime. And for the show, we're talking about the swimming anime of 2013, free. With me are a pool of panelists, no pun intended, who are well-respected in their fields. We have support specialist, Kat. Hi. <laughs> Master in the art of digging fields, Taka. Hi. Uh, master in the art of analyzing heated cases, Arian. Hello. And we also have been blessed by the presence of someone with a PhD in Rin Matsuoka, Nosmo. Hello. <laughs> okay, hi, hi. Hi, guys. Uh, thank you very much for uh, joining me um, in this podcast. I I will confess that the idea for this podcast was I just wanted to talk about free for like an hour or so with amazing people like you guys. But, um... Now, just to get everyone on the same ship, um, Free is actually an animation series produced by Kyoto Animation and directed by Hiroko Utsumi. It is a continuation of a light novel named High Speed, um, written by Koji Oji, which won honorable mention for the 2011 Kyoto Animation Award. The story is about a group of boys reuniting and reigniting their passion for swimming when they formed the Iwatobi Swim Club. Um, the series is packed with action. Um, what's it packed with? Abs? Feels. Has muscles. Emotions. Sparkles. It's a really interesting anime. Shark teeth. Shark teeth. It's the sports anime everyone always wanted after the Summer Olympics, especially after the swimming competition. Uh, the, series caught, yeah. the series has got quite a frenzy over the internet, especially when its concept and teaser were shown, and everyone simply referred to it as the swimming anime. Of course, Kyoto Animation finally revealed that it was their summer offering for 2013, and everyone just went crazy, Fujoshi and non-Fujoshi alike. But before we go into that, I want to ask you guys, when you saw the previews and, you know, uh, the trailers and the pictures, uh, what were your expectations of the series? I oh. didn't take it seriously at all. <laughs> yeah, either. No, what the I didn't fan-service-y show. Yeah, I mean, I remember that there was this girl in Tumblr who posted, like, Guys, this is a legit swimming anime because based on the body structures of these four swimmers, <laughs> these are like, this is a relay team and this is like this guy. I actually don't know who was which. Who, who, yeah. I remember uh, like there was a time where we weren't sure if it was actually going to be aired. Like there were rumors that it was just a, um, a promo clip to show off how good their animations were. And there was this girl on Tumblr that made a, a game out of it when we didn't have a lot of information and in who the characters were. And um, they just had made up names. Like, I know Rin was like a pimp and Nagisa was like the Shota or something. <laughs> and I played that because I wasn't sure if you were actually going to get the anime. And my impressions of it was that it really just was going to be a very shallow um, fan service series. So I was pleasantly surprised when it, that didn't turn out to be the case. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of us were, when we realized that it was going to be a Kyoani show, that it was going to be like four guys, one club kind of show, that like literally the same thing that they do with the girl version, that like cute, go- cute guys doing something cute and no plot whatsoever. So that was my expectation beforehand, that like zero expectations because the fact that I didn't think that it was going to have any depth or any kind of plot to speak of. Okay. Yeah, I started like, watching oh, it as a joke. No, go ahead, go. No, 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 it's okay. No, okay, okay, fine. Um, well, 
yeah, like I thought it was going to be like a joke because like with all the stuff on Tumblr, like, uh, yeah, so I didn't take it seriously at all. And actually from that, the first promo, um, Rin wasn't even my favorite. Like he was like my least favorite design wise. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that he ended up being my favorite. So I don't know, man. Like it just took over my life. Who was your initial favorite Nozomo based on the design? Um, actually, I think it's Nagisa. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Nagisa or Makoto. So, yes. yeah. I'm kind of shallow. Yeah, Makoto was definitely my favorite starting from just seeing the designs. But then he stayed my favorite. But I pretty much like everyone and I don't think I could pick one of them. So, yeah. But I, I pretty much started watching the show as a joke, too. I was like, haha, I'm going to watch swimming anime. It's going to be really stupid. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, my God. It's so amazing. I think we all feel that way. Yeah, we, we all do. And I remember the feeling of Tumblr when they released Ray's character design. Like, oh, we have an additional character named Ray. And everyone yeah, was just like... Be so, yeah. I thought it was just going to be like this Kakoi Megani character. <laughs> everybody was looking forward to like, oh, my God, we have the ultimate Megani character. And it's, yeah. and it's hard because... You Usually when um, when they construct particular anime nowadays, and I'm quite sure uh, you guys are all familiar with it, they always have you know characters who catch particular tropes to invite particular yeah. mm-hmm. audiences or particular ex- fans. Right. And I was so, expecting... Go. Sorry. I was expecting Ray to be like um, Kyoya from Oran. <laughs> oh my god. Like yes. a close that's cold. And he looks so serious because you know, he always had that he also moment where he he picked, I think the picture was him fixing his glasses. Right. Yeah, when they first promoted him, and like everyone's like, oh my god, the Megani guy. And I think afterwards, everyone just kind of watched and rolled in. And then the series started, and Papa said, like, yeah, you were watching the streaming anime. But somewhere along the way, what were your feelings or apprehensions? When did things started to change for you? Um- I actually, uh, if if I can take like a quick moment to talk about this, because this is something that I went a lot of, you know, emotional turmoil through with. It, it was about episode seven to eight when I realized that there's an actual plot in this thing. Like, seriously, I had been watching the thing, like multitasking, doing other, other, other crap on the side and having to rewind and go back and see like, oh, wait, what was it that they said? I wasn't paying any attention. And then at around episode seven, when we get all this stuff where I, I think it's episode seven where Rin is going to have like, I will never swim with you again. I was like, wait, <laughs> wait, is this actually going somewhere with this? And then what happened was that I started going back to the previous episodes and I was like, wait, I've been missing all these clues. There's a plot here. There is a plot here. And it was such a mind blown experience that because I had been so conditionalized into thinking that it was, was just a fan service show that I had been missing all that. But it was there all along. But it just took me like a few episodes to realize that. Others? Oh no, I I pretty much have been hooked since like episode two. I watched <laughs> in the time between episode two and episode three, I watched episode two like five times. I'm not even exaggerating. Like I had an actual problem. Episode two I, is the plot where they formally filed have for the a club. start. Yeah, they formally started the, the swimming club. Um, for well, I actually was really into it at, from the start, and I was kind of apprehensive because um, there was this scene in the first episode where um, Makoto helps Haruka out of his um, bathtub, and right after that, he, he was <laughs> cooking with just an apron on in his swimsuit. So I was expecting the fan service to be a little bit on the condescending side. 
but it uh, didn't turn out to be that case (laughs) it was very it was very campy but also at the same time well done um i didn't i there was a lot of fan service but not to the extent that um i felt that i was being just um pandered to so. I think that's a really good point, because I thought that he was very light-hearted and sort of harmless, because I, I saw a lot of people who'd be like, oh my god, this is such a stupid show, blah, 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 why do you watch swimming anime? And I was like, um, well, it's harmless, it's light-hearted, it's fun, and the fan service, is, it's self-reflective in the sense that it realizes why it's there, and that we are allowed to enjoy it for what it's worth, so I didn't feel like I was being sort of... Um, you know, taking advantage of because the fact that I like to watch shirtless guys and something like that, but just that it felt very, I don't know, inclusive in a way, if that makes sense. Right, like there are some animes that would have like um, big-breasted girls with their boobs bouncing or whatever, (laughs) and there was this corresponding, there was this corresponding scene um, where Ray was learning how to swim and he had Nagisa's speedo on and it had a penguin on the back. (laughs) Oh yeah, the black thing. (laughs) Yeah, the butt things. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, we'll always welcome fan service. For me, the fan service was the apron and the swimsuit thing. It's like, um, it's like the naked apron play. Exactly. But with with the swimsuit, and it's just an entirely new dimension <laughs> that opened up. It's like, oh my god, it can happen. And right. the boys at that. I mean, usually it's imagined with girls, and then in DL, it's it's always centered towards you know the wife, and it, they're already naked to begin with, but. Um, and this one is like, oh, there's excitement in, in the swimsuit and the apron, and I'm like, and he cooks. So, for me, Haru was one of the. I, I tend to like cool, boring characters. <laughs> he's not yeah. boring. Well, at first, just he looked weird. boring. He looked boring, but he looked kind of one of those off, cool, and then he wouldn't say a word kind of guy. Well, kind he of yeah, like, like that. <laughs> thinks a lot, right? Like. You don't really, he doesn't really say anything because yeah. he's mostly thinking, right? Yeah. And I think when you, like, read High Speed, like, the, the novel that it was based on, you get to really, like, see Haru's thoughts. And I think that, that really helped me, like, understand him better because yes. before I was just like, okay, what's going yeah, through really, this guy's mind? Yeah, Wait, I really agree with that because I also, I read, I read High Speed after, I think it was episode seven when I <laughs> realized that there was a plot in the show and that's kind of, turned everything over for me that sort of gave me a new perspective on the show because I was able to go inside Haro's head and understand why he does the things that he does and then that gave depth to everything else in the series his reactions to other people and the way that he well his dynamics with other people so I think that helped a lot with me as well to kind of get it like I, I had kind of become fond of Haro prior to that already because he was such a weirdo and I didn't expect to like him as much as I eventually turned out to do but I think High Speed was one of those things that you just get the whole sort of entity of the show a lot better when you go back to you know their childhood and know what he's been through in his own words because he doesn't talk like was pointed out that he doesn't really verbalize it but in in that light novel you do get to hear it yeah i I haven't started reading high speed but um at least on my end i can see his character grow by how perceptive he is of the people Mm -hmm. around him he doesn't say much but he reads people and to a degree he responds to them in the right way, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's not the kind of guy who would be so selfish. Not like Rin. <laughs> <laughs> but he has reasons. Well, um, he's selfish, but he just sort of... Uh, 
he he um how do i say this i mean he the thing that i like about rin and haro is that they're both selfish and douchebags in different ways they the way that they react and bring it bring it like forth like above the surface if you mind my pun um that they just express it differently <laughs> and and haro is the one of those people who shuts down and internalizes things and that's why when he's being selfish you can't really see it that well because he doesn't yeah, take it out yeah. on other people but right. that doesn't mean that yeah. you know rejecting others isn't still selfish because he goes on his own terms instead of like his friends so Right. Yeah. Yeah, because he like swims when he doesn't want to deal with people. Like he jumps yeah. in the water. Yeah, it's like he's yeah. he basically admits that it's his escapism and I think that high speed is just like super important not only for like understanding Haru but like but like just Rin too because it has it actually has Rin's point of view which we don't really get in the anime that much. So I think that like whenever someone says like they don't understand Rin in the anime, I'm like I'm like reading the light novel. Yeah, I don't know. It's it. so much money in, like all their. I'll take your note. Although I take your note, Daka, just so that right. I won't receive your wrath. Just kidding. <laughs> I have. Right. I'm one of those people who hasn't read High Speed, uh, but for the most part, I think that the show has a uh, the anime um, did a pretty good job in making them seem. Um, well-rounded as characters, like even Haru has this really weird quirks being shown. Like he has a thing for um, for making mascot characters, and he's really good at drawing, and he only likes to eat mackerel for some reason. And each one of them has um, has th- these little personality quirks that really um, sort of show that they're not just a particular playing a particular trope. Which, like, yeah. for example, I'm, I'm going to go back to Ray because his was the most drastic for me because I had expectations of his character based on his design. And later on in the series, um, you find out that he's just this huge dork with terrible taste in swimsuits. Yeah, <laughs> terrible even... taste in odds on his wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you can definitely get enough characterization from just the anime itself. But And when you're talking about how Haru is artistic, I was just thinking that's really good that they showed how expressive he is through his actions and but and not necessarily his words so yeah and his eyes yeah, yeah, and, yeah and eyes. 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 all the eyes zooms. yeah i mean i've always uh what you call this there's this thing in shoujo manga about the eyes being the windows to a person's soul and i didn't it's not really highlighted much in current via manga but in here kyoto animation really did a good um they really did do their best in representing how the eyes speak so much about their emotions Yes, especially towards, especially towards you know when they close up. Like I didn't during my rewatch this weekend. Um, I didn't notice at first that Rin was actually crying in the opening sequence. I didn't notice that for the longest time, and I, it broke my heart, man. <laughs> and I was like, and, and I was like, crying alone on the rooftop. Yeah, with that's the so sad. <laughs> it was, it was, and so anyway, just to, since we're talking already about our uh, about characters, are, do you have particular favorite characters? We'll put Nosmo at the end. <laughs> but for Chris, do you have particular favorite characters for free? Um, I didn't say for, this for before, me? but I do, I do like all of them. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was I was going to say that for me it's a difficult choice because um, when I started watching, I thought it was going to be based on the kind of waifu selection program that you just pick the one that you physically like the most. And if we went by that alone, then Mikoshiba would have been my favorite character. <laughs> but then like, personality-wise, since Rin and Haru get the most character development, then those two turned out to be my favorites as well because Rin is the person that I relate to and Haru is the one that I would like to bang. So obviously that's the one you know, obvious conclusion that we can get from 
that. But it, it is quite, kind of funny because you do get attached to all of the characters in different ways. But then you have a few characters who get more character development than the others. So it's easy to kind of gravitate towards them. But that being said, I think Cole is definitely one of my favorites because I love her so much. Anybody else? Yeah, can we talk about Cole? Like, like seriously? Like, she's <laughs> super amazing. But yeah, I don't know. Is it my turn? Yeah, go, 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 go ahead. Okay, so yeah, my I said before that like I don't I can't really choose like a character that I like the most, even though I keep saying that Moko is my favorite because he's adorable. But I mean, there are things that I really really like about every single character. Like Haru is the most like me, definitely. But I mean, everyone surprised me in a really good way. Like like everyone thought that Nagisa would be like, oh, he's the Genki Shota, but then he actually turned out to be this like incredibly stubborn, strong little <laughs> bratty guy who just like abused the crap out of me. And like, and yeah, like 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 we said with Ray, we all thought he was gonna be like, oh, the cool Magane, but then he turned out to be this like super lovable dork who changed into like this self-sacrificing hero by the end of the series. So I'm just like, you go, Ray, Jesus. Yes. Cat. Oh, my turn. Well, I basically initially had I initially had um, Nagisa as my favorite because I've always been inclined um, to like his particular character character type. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but compared to that, but compared to the rest, he doesn't really get um, like a a proper character arc. So near the Pretty end, um, I my favorite. Yeah, um, I mean. He, he started as being, you know, very um, assertive at the start of the series, and he was just like that up until the end, um, with the surprise reveal that he had a big appetite. <laughs> um, so in um, towards the end, my favorite ended up being Ray, especially since um, he ended up, he didn't even want to join the club in the first place, and I was expecting him to be to be really cool, and the part where he had to learn how to swim, and he was reduced to like um, paddling along with a kickboard, <laughs> really endeared him to me. <laughs> so he ended up being my favorite at the end. And then lastly, Nosmo. Me? Oh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> I think I don't know what to say. <laughs> Your moment, Nosmo. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, I think. When I first started taking interest in Rin was when I saw that he had shark teeth. So that was like really shallow. <laughs> I really liked for that. But I think when I really started liking him was like after I read High Speed. And then it's like just open up this whole world. And it's suddenly he's like, I'm obsessed with him. And then like, and, and like online people always talk about how he's a jerk. And it's like, it fuels my love, you know? It's like, okay, you hate yourself. I love him. And, like, I don't know, like, how to pinpoint or, like, talk, like, what it is that I like about him. I think it's, like, how emotional he is. Like, he, like, cries, he, like, yells and, like, throws things around, gets angry, you know? I don't know. It's like I want to take care of him. Like if, if I can, I can piggyback on that response because the reason why I live, I really like the um, representation of, I mean, the character archetype of Rin because he's a very specific kind of archetype as well. But the thing about him is that he's so passionate that even even right. the times when he tries to repress that passion is still in there and it comes through him. And that's one of the reasons why episode ten is so painful because we see the young Rin and the way that he was that firecracker, and then we see the older Rin who has sort of lost that fire, but it's still within him somewhere and it comes out in his frustration and when he lashes out and externalizes those things that just that passion in that person is something that I can sort of really relate to and I really like the fact of how they how they portrayed that in the show that it is really consistent and that's why it's, it's sort of hard to say why I like him but it always comes back to the fact that he's so sort of 
so passionate about the things that he does and believes in the things the things that he does even when he thinks that he doesn't. Yeah, um, like oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. No, no, no. I was. I don't even know what I was gonna say. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just okay. wanted to. I just wanted to butt in and say that um, he's very sympathetic because his um, he does have this moments where it's really clear that he's self destructing, and even though people want to reach out to him, he's not making himself um, very sympathetic to them as a as a friend and as a person. <laughs> and <laughs> I also wanted to say that. Um, because of how Rin is, I particularly appreciated um, Nitori the most. Although I know that not a lot of people like him, and <laughs> I initially only started, I initially only started liking him because his character. I know it's all always going to boil down to character design for me, and I like <laughs> that he had a bow cut and a beauty mark. But, oh my god! Um, he kept following. <laughs> I kept following Rin around with this really annoying voice, going senpai, senpai, <laughs> and senpai. to an extent, I think that helped that somebody was around for him. <laughs> yeah, like, I think it was good. Like it was a good, like it was a good framing device for telling the viewers what Haru and Makoto and everyone already knew about Rin. So it like showed a slightly different side of his current self. Yeah, and I, I think I think that um, characters like the show for us as viewers to sort of um, mirror Haru's and Rin's current emotional states off of. I mean, because obviously we don't get to see much of. Rin's thoughts or opinions apart from what we see him telling Nidori and then on, on the other side we have Haru who doesn't speak anything except for you know how Makoto translates it for him so those two characters are the uh, surfaces that they reflect off and that's the reason why I really appreciate Nidori's character even though I wasn't always his biggest fan but I sympathize with him a lot sympathize that's that's the right word <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's strangely you know, everybody was talking about how the series is intended to be geared towards women um, you know, because of the fan service and so on and so forth. But, you know, looking at the structure structure of the characters and so on, they're actually very, they follow um, shonen story stereotypes, don't they? You have mm-hmm. the persevering, you have the persevering Ray, you know, who's trying to, trying hard to, make, to find his position in, in the team. And then you have the fallen hero, you know, of sorts with Rin. And then you have, and then you have the, I'm sorry, I, I'm not a big fan of Nitori, as I mentioned to the girls earlier over chat, because I find him as the annoying kohad. As me, you mean, Kirsten. <laughs> yes. And it reminds me of annoying kohais like cat. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, but, but hearing you guys mean you understand Nitori a little more, but it also makes me think about how the story has an interesting set of dynamics. Um, and there's a question that was raised in Twitter earlier um, asking, what do you like best about the boys' dynamics, you know, about how they relate to each other and how they work as an ensemble? Do you think that... Everything. Uh, <laughs> you think that Nagisa this is... and Ray, especially. Nagisa uh-huh. and Ray, they're yeah. a really good Seriously. combo. They're incredibly <laughs> good combo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they actually perfectly balance everybody's, uh, how do you put it, aura. Their auras. Meaning you have the right. calm and collected Haru, and then you have the bubble of energy with... Nagisa, and then you have Ray, and then there's Makoto's trying to keep everybody on track. <laughs> trying to hurt cats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. 
the series is about, you know, just different types of friendships and different dynamics in friendships, which is one of the reasons why I'm so kind of bummed out that people spend all this time fighting about rival, you know, ship things and stuff like that, because it's all about friendship. There is no, like, canon ship in this thing, apart from <laughs> friendship, as we, as we said before this thing started. And, and all those friendships are beautiful in different ways, in different permutations. So I, I would say that my favorite thing about the... Um, the uh, you know the dynamics is the fact that there are so many parallels with different characters and all these characters balance each other out in different ways and different combinations. Right. I also really um, enjoy seeing it when characters I don't expect to interact that much um, do interact in unexpected ways. Like um, there was, I forgot which episode it was, but um, there was an episode where um, Haru and Ray interacted a lot. Um, and I found that really interesting because um, from an objective standpoint, Haru is their senpai, although it doesn't, is his senpai, although he doesn't act like <laughs> at all. And technically, Nagisa is everyone's, is Makoto and Haru's kohai, but he just takes a lot of liberties and does things like stuff bread into Haru's mouth, causing him to choke. So uh, I really like how... Um, how um, their, the portrayal of their relationship with each other isn't something that it's not cut out. Like it's not something expected. Like I didn't expect Haru and Ray to get along that well, but he, uh, Haru, Ray clearly idolizes Haru, and you can see in some episodes that Haru looks out for Ray, which I found um, pretty interesting. I don't even ship them; I just find their dynamic <laughs> interesting. Can, can I oh, say yeah, a quick note about Ray? Yes, yes, Irene, go ahead. Yeah, because yeah, I realized this when I was doing like notes for my lecture and stuff. When I started talking, like thinking about Ray's character further on, because I think he's the third most character developed character in the show. And the interesting thing is that I think in many ways he is kind of like narrative wise, he is the combination of both Haruka and Rin as a character because he resembles Haruka in terms of having his own restrictions and doubts about working with people and this sl slight, you know, Kyoya kind of vibe about him. But then even Makoto says that they have a lot, a lot in common as in Haru and Rei. But also he resembles Rin in many ways in the same way that he feels really self-conscious and he doesn't take the team for granted. He doesn't take his place for granted and he's capable of lashing out at people in a manner that can be considered selfish even, but it's just his way of venting his frustration. So I think that's why he was a really, really great addition to the original four, because he is that kind of, um, you know, that he navigates between that, you know, stage of Haro and stage of Rain and then brings the whole thing together as he did in... Right. Yeah, so if I can go off of that. Uh, oh, go ahead. Do you want to go? Go, go. Uh, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go okay, ahead. Okay, well, I was going to say that, like, Ray, that Ray uh, I agree with you because... Ray serves a really important purpose, and also in that he's, like, their outside perspective. Like, I feel like in High Speed, you see, like, the, four, the original four's dynamics, and then that carries over into the anime, and they still have, like, all this baggage left over and all these, like, attachments to Rin. But then Ray's, like, the one who comes from the outside and basically and observes like, them like, like we are, like, like the audience is. So, yeah, so he's like, he's like, this is BS. I'm going to say something about it, which I think was something right. that the show really desperately needed so yeah yes, yes definitely yeah if Ray wasn't there then nothing would have really happened because he was like the one that went to Rin and like Talk shook him around right. <laughs> and then <laughs> so if that didn't happen then then Ray wouldn't have been happy in the ending so yeah I'm very thankful to Ray thank goodness he was there because <laughs> he was asking the big questions what happened in Australia like thank goodness we figured that out <laughs> right. 
I had a conversation with a friend over at Twitter, and we were talking about how was that scene? Did it have to be Ray to point that out to Rin? Meaning, Ray has this very this is fevered passion for his team, and he loves his team, and he greatly respects them, and he, he wants them to be the best. And I understand his intent, but we were thinking, could it have been Makoto? If it had been Makoto who approached Rin and sorted it out with Rin, what would have happened? I don't think so. I don't I mean, know. I think it doesn't seem very confrontational at all. I mean, yeah, Makoto doesn't exactly. seem confrontational at all. Although, I was talking to a friend, Ellie, who is listening in. I was talking to a friend before about how um, the people who got things done in Free were the were the freshmen. Like, um, Nagisa had the idea <laughs> to start your and then Ko, Ko, yeah, Ko, uh, Ko um, developed the training um, plan for them. And then Ray sorted out their feelings. <laughs> and basically, so it's all about basically the second years, uh, just, yeah, they just swam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the second years were the ones with big problems, right? <laughs> yeah, they're the ones with the big baggage, okay? <laughs> no, but I was yeah, thinking I think- that... Go- Okay, I'll just finish. Yeah, yeah, I, I was, yeah, I was, was going to say that of the original question that I think it had to be Ray because the fact that Ray is the only person that Rin is able to tell his, you know, big emotional baggage to in episode 11 because Ray is an outsider. He, he has nothing exactly. to do with it. And the same way Ray is the only person who can tell Haru later on that he is the only one who can help Rin and Ray is the only one who can step out of the race so that it's not a sign of pity because if someone like Makoto did it, then Rin would be like, no, he's just pitying me. But Ray has nothing. He doesn't owe Rin anything in that scene. They've already sorted out their differences by end of episode 11. So from anyone else, it would be just, you know, it might seem to Rin in the state that he is in at that time, somehow condescending or otherwise like pitying. But when Ray does it, it's just like, dude, do it. I'm giving you the chance to take it or leave it. And then he takes it. But it couldn't have been anyone but Ray, in my opinion. Exactly. Oh, go ahead, Taka. Oh, no, I was going (laughs) to agree with the whole thing that like, that Makoto isn't confrontational and he's so attached to both Rin and Haru that he can't right. possibly like force them to do anything <laughs> like you like he didn't he didn't force Haru to talk about why he quit swimming like he just like he just won't he's just there to support them he's, he's not yeah, there to you know yeah. push or pull them in push any certain you, direction yeah. he's just there to you know make them feel comfortable with themselves and he doesn't want anyone to feel bad so Ray kind of like he doesn't want anyone to feel bad but he's just definitely the one who um, you know, he he won't care if he's, like, out there pushing or pulling Rin, like, shaking him up or whatever, because, like you said, he doesn't have that baggage, and he was an outsider, so now he's, like, just getting involved in this, and he's the one who solves it, because he doesn't have, you know, any stake in it otherwise than his current friendship. Right. Actually, um, Rin has this, I don't know, tendency to open up to people who are relative strangers to him. Like, um, when he first met um, Nitori, he, he, he willingly shared his past about his... I don't know if that's because, narratively, we needed to know that. Um, but at the same time, he, was, he, he pretty much opened up about um, what happened with his dad and why he was swimming um, with Nitori. And then later on with Ray, um, he was okay with sharing his feelings. So I really think he's the kind of person who's more comfortable... Talking to relative strangers about things he's going through that rather than actually talking to um, the people involved in the matter like he won't actually do it unless he's pushed to do it like with what um, ha- uh, Ray did for him before you know thanks to that um, Point cat now I have images of Rin talking to hobos in Australia It's been difficult all the boys can talk to me mate Mate, I need friends, mate. <laughs> 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 you know, but I'll tell you, what I find particularly 
weird with the whole Australia experience. I don't know if, if it was covered in high speed, but um, no, no, it's not. No. The high speed ends with the, the um initial relay once they win the first relay, and that's that's the end of it. Well, I find it weird because um, although it's a joke in Tumblr how he got this Australian trauma, where because <laughs> of these weird animals and then. <laughs> And so on, which is true, you know. I mean, every day. As a person who re- who recently moved to Australia, what are your feelings regarding that, Kirsten? It is very true. Um, <laughs> um in, when Sorry, I go Australia. Beach, there are shark warnings, and this is true. We actually have swimming. Um, our university off- offers some. Um, well, okay, for the listeners who don't like her, they live in Australia. I'm studying here, and. Um, in the university where I study, we actually have swimming lessons to teach us safety in the beach. Like, what are the hand signals and so on? Like, what should we do in case of, I don't know, shark attack or something? <laughs> it's, it's thought. And we have, like, I think for every public function, um, the Australian um, lifeguards are there to educate us. Like, we had, a, we, had a wel- we had, like, this big Australian welcome for international students and the lifeguards were there giving handouts like, oh, you know, you should only swim between the buoys and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. But what I found, um, and there's wildlife everywhere. I mean, there's when there's a stumbler joke we're in, Rin's taking a bath and a shark appears or something. <laughs> yeah, that <one. laughs> It's, it's, it's legit. Because, you know, in my first day here, I've seen, like, animals and spiders and birds that I've never seen before. And I'm more scared of them than stray cats. But uh, what I find just weird is that everybody here in Australia is quite polite. I mean, the people are very nice and so on. And, so happened to Rin. And <laughs> I think, yeah, I know. That's why I was thinking, why is this happening to Rin? People here are very nice. People here are, you know, accommodating. But I think Rin is experiencing this particularly Japanese um, behavior of um, not knowing how much of himself he can share. Because, you know, Japanese have this... Uh, this public face and this interface. That's, I mean, yeah, that's, it's, it's just the easiest way of saying it without going through the details of it. But they have a public face and an interface. And usually, um, putting out a public face involves, you know, keeping all the emotions inside. And so he can laugh, he can smile with all of these happy Australian mates that he has. But <laughs> he will always keep his loneliness within. And I think uh, that kind he of listens thing. to Linkin Park at night. <laughs> yes, ah! in the shower. <laughs> in the shower, <laughs> crying, <laughs> crying oh, because no. he has no friends. Yes. No. no. But like, I actually related. I was going to say that related to that whole thing of of, of Rin sort of um, keeping those emotions to himself. I I found it really interesting that we see in the episode where everyone goes trying on swimmer suits at that one shop when when Rin and Harold confront one another and Rin sort of quite amicably pulls him aside and wants to talk to him. And it's one of those scenes where he actually like verbally talks to Harold and tells him that um, you know expresses the fact that he cannot move on unless they raise that there's something literally wrong with him. Yeah, yeah. And he says that, and then Harold is like, "You're being mendoxai. I don't want to." talk to you you're being troublesome and that is sort of something that i think really reflects on the later series that he for once he's actually telling how something and then i was like like screw off i don't care because yeah, how is i mean obviously he's afraid of you know rejection too so they both deal with it differently but it's it's yeah but it's, it's interesting because it's not like he's like cooped up and bottling everything inside but he takes all those cues that he gets from other people whether he can talk about his issues or not and be, being that Haro is one of the key figures in his issues then if he gets like a cold shoulder from him then obviously he's not going to talk to any of his those friends because you know they don't understand me well i'm gonna go listen to linkin park but um 
like like I said, I think it was very legitimate the idea that he does have issues kind of defining what, how much of myself I can share, and it's easier to talk to someone like Nitori or someone like Ray because there is that you know he he's not sort of indebted to those people in any way, shape or form. So there's no pressure in talking to those strangers. Yeah, yeah. there's no emotional baggage. Also, you know, as as some people say, the more closer you are to someone, the more harder it is to, you know. Speak your emotions, you know, because you're suddenly afraid of. I think I think that's what happened with Rin and Haru. Both of them came to a point where they're both afraid to really uh, hurt each other because they know that you know just the the simple act of swimming has already destroyed them. Yeah. Well, when they were I, younger, I, which is kind I of mean, strange. I, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of things. They didn't think yeah. that would be that much. Yeah, because there's this huge. I mean, I think one of the biggest things about the show is that there is no one clear antagonist or villain or anything there's just big issues with communication and those issues with communication are completely understandable because well the main characters are in and Haru so the main conflict sort of revolves around them but it's, it's sort of important to remember that they are both trying to approach one another initially and then get rejected because they don't understand where the other person is coming from because Rin doesn't know that Haru quit swimming and Haru thinks that Rin quit swimming because of him. So they kind of approach the same thing from different sides, but they get rejected because the other person doesn't understand them. And then they further take that rejection as a sign that there is nothing to salvage here. And then they both lash out and react in different ways Rin, Rin by, you know, becoming even more of a douche lord and Haru being, you know, like, I don't need you and I want my other friends and blah 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 I will learn the value of friendship with my new cool friends well not obviously not quite in that way but you know the idea there is the fact that that their reconciliation is long overdue but it's hampered by the fact that they are both emotionally in the kind of stage where they're not uh, able to see eye to eye and that's why it takes like 12 episodes to get the point where they are both capable of admitting those real actual genuine feelings to one another of you know the fact that I, I miss my friends that's essentially what it is <laughs> Actually, I just wanted to like uh, jump in and say that I think it's amazing that there was a that there has been like a 12 ap- episode anime made specifically about boys finally learning to talk about their feelings <laughs> and becoming friends because yes. it's such a rare thing to see um, these days. So I really appreciate that. Thank you, Kiwani. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's not and it's not just talking, but it's also like kind of physical too, right? Like at the end when Rin hugged. Haru, and then it's like, it's like not a big deal. They just hug each other. They're friends, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? So, kind of appreciate that too, you know? <laughs> yeah, I like that they all had the group hug, like, not just when they were younger and, like, when you're like, yeah. when it's like okay for you to hug, to hug your friend. Like, they did it when they were older <laughs> yeah. too. Like, they're all like almost adults here, but they hugged each other at the end of the relay. Like, it's fine, because they're all friends again. So, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't it's a, they? It's a physical representation of the fact that I. I appreciate you being here, which is what Haro says to Makoto in the previous episode. And I think that it's quite fitting that it is Rin who actually takes that physical step because he finds it so difficult to talk, which, again, is ironic because usually Haruka is the one who doesn't talk. But, you know, all these parallels go around and around and they make me crazy. <laughs> I have a question. Um, we, I, I, can, I can gather as much that we all love the ending, but prior to the last episode, what were your worst fears on what would happen? <laughs> Because <laughs> seriously, like hanging by the thread. Tears. I mean, I was like crying. Okay, I was like crying every night. Like, oh, I was... how, how did you? What were your fears that will happen for the last episode after seeing episode eleven? What were you worried about, and what were you expecting to see? Me? Yep, Nosmo. 
Oh, yeah, man. Um, <laughs> obviously, my worst case scenario would have been Rin not being happy or like crying, losing all his friends, whatever. You know, yes. that was just, you know. Exactly. <laughs> I just wanted him to smile. I just wanted to see him be happy again. So I was just so thankful that he actually did laugh. Like, and then it was like all this stress that I had was just gone. And I was like yelling <laughs> and laughing. I was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just, yeah, like, my feelings towards Free is, like, around Rin. Like, I just wanted him to, like, you know, have his friends again because, like, him having no friends was, like, destroying him. And it's just so painful to see that, especially in episode 11. Like, you can, like, just see it in his face. Like, every time Ray said something and then Rin was just like, oh, my God, like, his face was just, <laughs> just, like, despair, you know? <laughs> Somehow, by episode 7, you kind of know everything is set for the first, for, for the Iwatobi Swim Club. And then there's just Rin hanging by the thread. It's like, what's going to happen to him? Is he even yeah. still a part of the story since, you know, the four boys seem to have resolved, you know, their issues? But others, like um, Irene, I think you wanted to say something earlier. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I'm one of those people who, after episode 11, were m- making huge ranty posts on Tumblr with hashtags like, if Rin doesn't get a happy ending, I will throw my goddamn computer out of the window. And um, <laughs> so, so basically, I was really invested in the fact that, that he would get a happy ending, but more so, I was really afraid that the show would end with that, you know, that huge miscommunication bubble that I was talking about, that that would not get resolved. Now, I was really frustrated with the idea that Haru would sort of become emotionally and socially adept and then be able to apply those skills to other people but not to Rin and meanwhile Rin would just keep on going down this downward spiral of becoming more and more socially you know recluse and I was just like I cannot deal with this thought I want them to you know talk it out and hug it out and do something I just want Rin to be happy like is that so much to ask for right like he was suffering like the whole freaking series it was just he was all alone. It was just hurting me so bad. Like, part of that was because he was pushing other people away, but I understand right. why he's doing it, because he, he was alone He was alone for four years in Australia. Like, he, right. God he damn it, Australia! He didn't have anyone to turn to about how horrible he felt about hitting this wall and, like, not being able to go to the Olympics. So when he got back, and he didn't... I think the reason he didn't want to open up to Haru Makoto, his old friends, is because... They, I think that they were expecting him to be like he was when he left, and he wasn't. Like, he's yeah. never going or to even, be the same. I think they were also expecting him to be greater even, because, you know, he went to Australia. Yeah, exactly. They were expecting him to, you know, like, you left us for however many years, and, like, and like you didn't, and, like, you came back, and you didn't accomplish what you wanted to accomplish, and then Rin was probably thinking that he was so lame for not doing that, so that's what I, that's yeah. what I think he was, he was self-conscious mm-hmm. about. Yeah. yeah, and I still, I still want to, like, 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 put stress on the fact that those few times when he would take like these tiny, tiny steps towards trying to communicate, then he would get shut down because Harold wasn't in that place emotionally to be able to communicate with him either. So it was just like this, you know, a series of, uh, un, you know, all these misfortunes between people in, in a sense that no one knows how to talk to one another. And that's why they sort of had to be apart for all that series in order to reconnect again so that they would do that, do it on their own terms. But I, I do co-sign the idea that Rin is probably really, really self-conscious by the beginning of the series about the fact that, you know, he was supposed to be everything and then now he's nothing. Yeah. Actually, he did like even point that out before the first um, the first race he had against Haru in that um, in that abandoned swimming pool, 
Oh, sorry. I think it was in Samezuka swimming pool. Um, how he didn't feel like it was a worthy victory because Haru hadn't even been swimming at all or even training. Yeah. And if you, if you, if he, when he looked at Haru's body, <laughs> um, it was obvious that he, <laughs> <laughs> it was obvious that he was flabby and wasn't training. Yeah, not, really sma- not really flabby, but he didn't have the muscles that he if you were swimming regularly. And you speak of this as an expert. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pretend I'm cool. And I've looked at people's bodies. <laughs> it's just not a par. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do understand that. And um, the thing with, actually, uh, what I wanted to ask, or actually one of my questions to the series was, after... This, after they swam um, in their old swimming club when they were kids, and Haru said, oh, sorry, Rin said to Haru that he was going to quit swimming. I actually wondered if he came back because it was never really clear if he returned to Australia or not afterwards and just kind of laid low in, in, their, in their place and didn't attend the same school and didn't contact the boys and so on yeah. and so forth. And I think, yeah, for me, for, for, for a family, you know, being supported by a fisherman who's already dead, I think studying in Australia for a swimming school would be highly expensive. <laughs> and, uh, and well, that thinking of that aside, um, Rin was also out of shape when he challenged Haru because uh, he wasn't also part of a swimming club. He stopped, I'm thinking that he, he stopped swimming as well immediately after, you know, he was defeated by Haru when they were younger. Well, that's that's my head canon at least, but I'm not sure if that's the same for everyone. If you know, if he pursued his swimming or not after his um, first defeat. I think like, more is like he gave like, up on his dream more than he didn't swim at all. Uh, yeah, because yeah, he was wearing the swimsuit. No, mm. wait, no. Um, <laughs> when when he first met Haru and them at the, yeah, the swim yeah. club, he was wearing a swimsuit, right? Like underneath his winter, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm thinking he was still swimming, probably, because why else would he be wearing it? Well, I'll ask the same question that Haru is also, also, you know, wearing his swimsuit under his pants. Maybe it's their, you know, it's their thing, you know, know? you just, you know, you you, like those Chippendale dancers. I don't understand how they (laughs) they just like throw their clothes away. Like, it's not that easy, but yeah. (laughs) And then underneath is just a swimsuit. But, um, oh God, we've reached an hour. Um, <laughs> that said, uh, we, we've all got our happy endings and so on. And for me, I wanted, what I wanted to share was I had my initial worries that Kyoto Animation will actually milk this, milk the story and don't resolve the issues by the end of this right. first season yeah. and proceed to, and you know, start building things up for the next season. And, and although they're known to kind of resolve things, they also have their moments where the way that they resolve their stories is half-baked. Like, Did you um, watch um, Hyoka? Well, Hyoka is already established because that had a really elaborate narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and it's already written. And um, the no- it, it's one of those stories that, you know, you kind of know what's happening in the novels and they have already something to follow. But that's not the same for free. Because free is kind of like a continuation of high high speed, if I'm not corrected. If I'm if I'm yeah. correct. No, that's correct. Yeah. yeah um. 
So they're completely doing an original material here, and I'm not exactly... I mean, Tamako Market ended kind of okay, but it was so haphazardly done. Mm. And then you kind of know that they're still going to gear up for a second season afterwards. And so that was my worry with with Free, but I'm so happy they kind of ended it here. And a lot of... and Well, a couple of the comments in Twitter were like saying, I think it's best if Free ends here that we're not going to see them next summer, or any summer for that matter. What are your thoughts on this? I I think that's so untrue. I think that this was kind of just like, like they, it was like basically solving their background emotional issues, and now, like that, now they can actually go forward. Like, like this season was just them, like trying to fix what was in the past, and like trying to get to a good place in the present, and then I think if they do make a second season, there's like so much potential for them to keep developing in the future. So I pretty much automatically disagree with anyone who says that, oh, you can't go anywhere with this. Like, there's nothing left to do because you solved you solved this one conflict. And I'm just like, no, there's so much else to do with these characters. They have so much potential. I'm fine with it either way because I felt that the ending was so satisfying that if they had said, okay, this is the only season that you're getting, I would have been okay with that. Um, but if they are planning, I mean, I think we've got we have got confirmation sort of um, for a second really. season. Well, not really. Yeah, just yeah. see you next summer. Yeah. Um, then I'm looking forward to that if they are planning one. Um, ideally, <laughs> I think somebody posted this on Twitter. Um, there was a Pixiv fan artist who who um, made a series of drawings about them going around the world. I thought that would be amazing. Um, and I bet that they'd just make Rin speak to everybody because oh he would be the only person who has passable English. <laughs> or like, or like Ray would body. try. Yes, perfect like body. Ray would try, but then Rin would try to correct him or something. That would be something I would watch, definitely. No, so I, I agree that, that like the way things are now, it would be okay if they just left it at that, but I don't agree with people who said that you can't go anywhere else with this. Yeah, I think That's you definitely I mean. can go somewhere. I mean, some people are like, like when the story is told, then it's told. But it really depends on the scriptwriter where they're going to go with this. I mean, we can take the audio dramas as a sign of where we might be able to go with this, like the dynamics of, you know, the five boys now that they're all together again. Like, is it going to be something like that? Or where are they going to go? Because it's going to need some kind of conflict or some kind of, you know... A vibe in the background that you know fuels it on, or if it's if if it's going to turn out the way that the first season is this huge emotionally laden, you know, thing where we get like drama and big emotions, and then the sex, se- second season would be what we expected the show to be, you know, this like you know five guys one club kind of thing where they just do cute things, and I don't know if I That's would really mind fun. that either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm fine either way, but I'm just interested in where they are going to go with it. Like, are they going to actually make, you know, a plot the same way that there was a actual plot in, you know, the first season or not? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I'll be fine with anything because I like the ending. And if they make more, then, yeah, give it to me, man. <laughs> I just, seriously, okay. seriously, <laughs> give it to me. Yeah, just give it to me. Like I'm just spending all this money on free stuff because I just love it so much. No, like what am I gonna do with it? Like what if my mom finds it? (laughs) (laughs) No, what if you want to give Rin a hug and he has a legit dakimakura? That's yeah, true. true. Yeah, if he he didn't get a hug at the last episode, you could at least hug his dakimakura. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, if that happened, then maybe I. <laughs> personally, I really like if there's gonna be a second season. I personally want to see um that moment when Rin finally realizes that his captain is hitting on his sister. Animated. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I I want to see that too. Yeah. Since Kat already started it, are there things that you want to see, or in the second season? Like I want to see an actual it. rivalry between Samizuka and Iwatobi. Like, yeah. like, can we like introduce some actual like other characters besides Rin that would compete against the team theoretically? Like more Mikoshiba. Yeah, kind. Yeah. Of. I mean, not just Mikoshiba, but just like. Just like maybe something a little closer towards like the traditional sports anime where they have like, like have a rival, di- yeah, different types of rivalries and stuff yeah. like that. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't be as, as original or interesting as the first season, but I think it's definitely something that they could do well if they you know hit all the right spots. Yeah, there's a few things that I want to see, and on the top of the list is like we have had in the that the um, most recent audio drama we had you know the thing where Rin and Harold continue to compete in different ways so I want to see that and be just completely complete idiots together I want to see that and I also want to see Nitori communicating with people other than Rin I want to see right, him becoming right. friends with Nagisa I want to see Nitori and Nagisa become friends <laughs> actually um, since Nagisa ends up eating so much I have this um, this personal headcanon that he's doing that because he's going to hit this really big growth spurt <laughs> <laughs> so I just That'll really want to see. <laughs> I really want to see um, Nagisa with Pegasus Shota turn into like this Vara character Shut up. in the second season. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kirsten. <laughs> Suddenly the Kohai has abs. Mosmo, <laughs> what about you? What are you expecting for the second season? If there is. A um. Well, yeah, like how Taka said, uh, I like to see a rivalry too, but I'd also like to see like. Rin actually hanging out with them and having fun because like um I know in the first season like Iwatobi Club had all these like fun things like that time when they were like in on the island and they were like telling doing truth and dare or whatever and yeah they have all these like fun things they do and I just want Rin to be like part of that you know that reminds me of your illustrated calendar where you tried to insert Rin <laughs> In all of them. <laughs> 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 so yeah, it was great. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Yes, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wholeheartedly concur with that because I just want to see Rin doing things with his friends, and I want to see the dynamic that he has with Haru continue to be a bit, you know, sparked with a sense of rivalry. I don't want them to become like, you know fluffy friends who are like everything is correct and fine and that's why the audio dramas made me so happy because they'd be competing with every single stupid little thing and that's how I see their dynamic as even after they have reconciled so all these like random adventures with all the boys and all the dynamics and all the friendships so like Rin, Rin and Ray continuing to you know become even better friends and then Rin and Makoto becoming you know closer again and all those kind of different permutations of friendships I just want to see that exactly yes, please yeah. Yeah, since, I mean, this series is really, it sold itself more on friendships more than it is with a sport. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we, mm-hmm. we didn't really get to see, you know, aspects of the sport, uh, unlike other, you know, um, sport animes and so on. But, uh, with me, I kind of want to see that, like, Taka, I want to see the rivalries, but I also want to see, you know, the sport aspect of swimming. I mean, 
we all watch it during the Olympics, and a part of me wants to see Rin in the Olympics, uh, or at least trying to qualify for it. I think it's it's time for him to own that dream, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the second with Japan hosting um, the 2020 Olympics, the Olympics that, yeah. that they yeah. might might gear or hop, hype up the story of free, maybe not this not this coming summer, but in a few summers from now. Um, you know, they'll be showing Rin aiming for the Olympics. And speaking of the Olympics, so since I live here in Australia and I'm just a, an hour away from Sydney, uh, my I have a friend who's flying in from Singapore who actually emailed me immediately after episode 10 or 11. I forgot which end card was it, wherein Rin was overlooking... Um, ah, the bridge. The bridge. Yeah, it's episode 11. Yeah. It's 11. 11 yeah. um, Sydney Harbour Bridge. It was so funny because she immediately after she saw it, she texted me over at line saying, Kristen, we have to change our agenda in Sydney. We have to visit this this particular spot where <laughs> Rin was overlooking. And I, it was so funny because I've been to that spot like two or three times. And and it's a beautiful place. And I'm like, I never really, how do I put it? I mean, architecturally, culturally, yes, it's, it's an Australian thing. And I completely ignore the fact that, you know, oh yeah, Rin was here and so on. And then suddenly that place like twice more magical just because of that stupid end card. <laughs> like, now I need to have a picture overlooking the Harbor Bridge and the Sydney Opera House just like Rin, feeling lonely and so on. Listening to the park. Yeah. And I actually hope... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I actually hope that they, they, that they do a postcard set of the end cards they had. Um, oh for God. the series oh. because they're so amazing. I would, I mean, I've I've seen a lot of free merchandise, but that's something that I would really want, like postcards of the end cards of the series. They they rarely do that though. They do it as I know. Cards, but like the weirdest free merchandise that I saw were posters. Yeah, uh, I saw those. And I'm like, I wouldn't dare put my teacup on that. I don't want to stain their faces with my tea. <laughs> But yeah, the, the coasters are kind of popular. Yeah, but for me, yeah, that's what I want to see. Um, them pursuing either some maybe a little outside of high school, um, them competing on a national level, and uh, like the boys already outside of Iwatobi. Like in my head canon, when Mako and Haru graduate, it's going to be Ray who's going to be captain of Iwatobi. And, I agree. Uh, because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nagisa would probably be like doing all of these stupid nonsense for everybody you know? like everybody wears speedos with penguins at the back kind of. <laughs> yeah but do you guys have particular headcanons that you want to see like how do you see um, the boys 5, 10, 20 years from now and this is already going to like you know fan fiction speculation <laughs> <laughs> like we can do the coffee shop AU when they're in college. Yay. Oh my god! I, I think I that was and then and then you have Harus, you know, serving his coffee in the swimsuit. I only I only make I only make decaf. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, go no, ahead. No. Sorry. Um, 
For me, I would five to ten years down the road. I do agree that um, Win would start training, or at least trying to actively pursue um, being being a being Japan's representative uh, for the Olympics. And he'd either my my take on it is that he'd either do a whole lot better because he has an actual support system now, or um, he'd kind of like fall apart again just a little bit. And then his friends would be like, "Oh, here we go again," <laughs> but they'd know, <laughs> but they'd know where he's coming from now. So they kind of understand that he has this tendency to be, to over, not really over dramatize, but be very um, emotional about these things. So they know how to deal with it a lot better. <laughs> and that's actually something that I would like, I would love to read about. And then for the others, do you view the others? Futures in five to ten years, like how do you see Haru or Mako or Nanase? Uh, that's a good question because we well one of the reasons that um, the second season would be interesting is that we never learn what Haru's dream is when Rin asks him that at the end of episode twelve and we don't yeah. get a response from Haru. We don't know what Haru's dream is, so. I, I wonder, because it would really be tied to that. It's it's difficult to say what it is that he really wants out of life because he's so fixated on the idea of swimming and now that he's found, found the joy of swimming with his friends and found the importance of friendship and, you know, all that stuff, that I literally don't really have any headcanons on that. Like, the furthest that I have ever gotten is their third year, which would be the point where they have to decide what they want to do with their lives and then they would be, Aww. you know, drama and emotional heartbreak of having to, you know, separate, but on their own terms this time. So not not out of necessity, but you know, just letting each other go to strive towards greatness and then continuing to support one another. But uh, <laughs> I can't even think uh, further on to like five to ten years. That's that's too emotionally destroying. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a really hard time imagining that too. Like I I can't even think about their third year. So you're farther than me. <laughs> yeah, same. I can't think of anything. Like I never really thought about it. I guess. <laughs> um, for me. Um, this one came out of, um, cause I actually follow some swimming blogs and, uh, well, at least I follow the athletes and I remember, um, I, our friend Ellie, who's listening right now, asked me once that, you know, <laughs> is, are those bodies even real? Like, um, do 17 year olds really have those kinds of ripped abs? And then I was telling her, oh, well, if you think about it, uh, Michael Phelps entered. Uh, the Olympics at 17, and um, what you call this? It's it's interesting because you know it's it's real for them, and uh, so I, I, that, that's why the idea that you know Rin can do Olympics if he wants to, it's possible. And then the interesting thing is, um, apparently right now the Japanese swim team is really really good, like they ranked um, in the latest World Swimming Championships. They got a bunch of silvers and gold, uh, silvers and bronzes. They didn't quite get gold yet, but um, they they can compete and they can win the medals. And so I think Japan has a good swim program. That's why I think possibly they'll continue with the anime. In terms of head cannons, I saw about this with a friend, and I was saying, well, I don't imagine Har right now. I don't imagine Haru pursuing a swimming career the same way that Rin is. Yeah, but I can imagine yeah. him pursuing a job that involves water, nonetheless, like someone who cleans aquariums or you know a marine biologist. Like <laughs> he might even become an instructor, like or like a swim like, instructor. Like he said it was he said it was troublesome with Ray, but then 
like you see him change his mind. Like he, yeah, he was like he definitely very particular with Ray when he was teaching him how to swim, right? Right. Kristen, your head is literally like a like a pool cleaner. Seriously. No, 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 not exactly pool cleaner. But you know when you visit those large aquariums and there's always this guy feeding the fish. He's actually a marine biologist, but I call him the pool pool cleaner because that's one of the things that they do. Okay. <laughs> they clean the large aquariums and then they feed the fish and so on. And See, now I've got a new head camera thanks to that because um, I'm going to go and visit the um, the aquarium in, in Osaka in January <laughs> and it was oh, like cool. one of those places that I had a wanting to go to. And then, then if you guys have ever been to the um, to the aquarium in Sunshine City in Ikebukuro in Tokyo because they have those people who get to swim in the large tank with all the uh, ray fish and all those, you know, all the fishes and feed them. I can see Hara doing something like that with his life. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and it would be the perfect job because he'll be swimming every day. That's like, yes, exactly. And, and he, not having to talk to people. <laughs> no, he's not talking to people. He's just, he's just, you know. I mean, there's that when he becomes a fisherman. And, <laughs> and you know, the thing is... Or maybe that's... I think... I I don't know if... I don't know. I think Makoto might, like, need anti-anxiety drugs or something. If yeah. That happens. Makoto and Rin would probably be like, please don't go out to water today. And fishing doesn't actually make him swim. And so on. But... For example, in my head canon also, Mako would stay out of water and become a salary man. <laughs> I can see him in a suit, you know, visiting no, the kindergarten teacher. Or maybe, kindergarten. He like a, maybe he can be like a vet or something. He's or yeah, like a cat's alive. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, so we're basically feeding people fanfic and fan art ideas. Draw that. Draw right now. Yes. <laughs> Not the first see, see, they're not yeah, responsible I mean, I mean, under pressure. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we 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 enjoy the maid Haru. Uh, uh, sorry, maid Rin. Yes. We did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but but yeah, that's uh anywhere where they're happy. I think that's where we're all at right now, right? That's what mm-hmm. um. But this is just a little bit outside of free, um, because free got particular notoriety during its inception and even while it's running, on how it's um, a story targeted for girls. And Kyoto Animation is known for doing the moe anime, you know, the ones that are target, targeted towards otaku. And it basically, when Free was created, the otaku cried, oh my god, we have been betrayed, and so on and so forth. Well, right. we can't really concern ourselves with how they feel, but knowing that, did you feel that this story was really targeted or, you know, something that was for women? Or was it something that even men can appreciate? Um, I actually well, have an opinion on that in, in a sense that I made my boyfriend watch the finale of Free. He, ha- he hadn't watched a single episode and then I made him sit through, you know, the, the final episode. And the first, one of the first things that he said was that they are all acting like girls. Not, not in a bad way, but just, you know, his, his clumsy way of expressing that. The characterization of many of those characters is very sort of traditionally feminine like in the sense that they sort of express their emotion and, emotions and express themselves. So I think that is something that a lot of girls will be able to relate to better than boys so that my like answer to that would be that the story itself is something that is for everyone but I think that it's sort of geared towards a fem- like, you know, traditionally feminine audience by allowing the male characters to present themselves in a way that traditionally masculine so that's why it's easier to relate to for girls and possibly harder for boys but that depends on the boy obviously 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I read on Twitter somewhere that um, there was an interview with the creator. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can't, I can't cite this properly because I know I just saw it on Twitter. But um, they, were at, they were apparently asked um, if, they had, if they were concerned that Free was mostly towards, um, targeted towards a female audience. And their, their answer was something like, it's okay if it's not something that's targeted towards um, our male fans right now, which I am very happy with. And personally, if, um, and personally, if the otaku who watch um, all these moe anime are getting offended by the fact that KyoAni decides to make one show this year that is targeted towards girls, then their suffering is just increasing my enjoyment of the series. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, why you were saying I want to say something? Okay, I don't know. I was just gonna agree um, that like the emotional side of it is definitely geared towards women, but that's just because of like society's perception or whatever. Like I think that the boys having emotions was really natural. Like they're in this time of their lives where they do have emotional outbursts. So I think it's just like that attitude that boys can't like things that have feelings in them, which yeah. made it, like, quote-unquote, for women. But, I mean, really, like, it's still a story about boys. They just happen to have feelings, so now it's, like, a story for women. I don't know. That's just my thoughts yeah. on it. Yeah, it uh, it's really weird because they, they act in a way that we, you know, associate with, you know, traditionally feminine behavior, but that doesn't make it sort of women's behavior, which is why it's so weird that people, like, like, you know, that the otaku would be like, oh my god, I can't watch this show because it's it's about boys and it's for girls and it's like, no, it is about people for people, so why can't you figure it out for yourself and watch it and then decide what you think of it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I also found particularly weird because um, if you read things like One Piece and right. Naruto, they will also have these moments, you know, where people change, people are emotionally moved um, to, the, to the degree, to the point that they break down and cry. The same way, I mean, we've seen Sanji cry, we've seen uh, Usopp cry, you know, all of these great shonen heroes that, you know, otaku love. And not just otaku, but every other person loves. Um, and so I find the argument that free is just for women because it has emotions kind of weird. Although I read in a I read in one of my readings that apparently um, the shoujo manga industry uh, uh, sorry the shoujo manga industry uh, relies on uh, emotions and human relationships. And usually when they construct or edit stories, those have to be highlighted more than anything else. Uh, I have a question, for especially for those who read High Speed. I'm assuming that the author of High Speed is a guy. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Do Does he also, does he have the same emotional depth as the anime in his writing? Definitely. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, the pen name is male. It, that doesn't necessarily mean that the author actually is a male unless someone's seen them in person. Does it has anyone? Uh, well, no, uh, actually not. Uh, I had an idea that it was male, but I'm, I don't even remember where that came from. That thought. So. <laughs> no, because I'm I'm yeah. I'm estimating it from his name. What was his name? His name, his is, name Port- is Og Port- Koji, Koji, but it's in it's in Hiragana, so yeah. I'm yeah. assuming it's a pen name. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking and it's a pen name, and it could have been a girl or it could have been a boy. So I was just wondering, since Koji is such a very, it's just a man's name, but of course, you know, uh, I'm wondering, does it make a difference and so on? So that's why 
did it turn you off that it was targeted towards us? I mean, Kat said it didn't, but no. <laughs> no, no. Oh. Uh, yeah. I think um, there are. Sorry, go ahead. Go okay. Kat. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, there are some. There are sometimes some things that people make that they say are targeted towards women that become condescending instead. Like, um, I'm I'm into. American comics. Uh, so say, for example, DC um, came out with a title before that was geared toward, that was intended to capture a female audience. And the way they handled it just felt really um, misguided and offensive. <laughs> um, but I think it's because, I don't know if it's because the creator is, is, is a woman as well, but even if it had been initially created in mind with a, created with a female audience in mind, I don't think it was um, written or made in a way that diminished it and actually made it a lot greater. Um, I feel like the fan, uh, and specifically I'm talking about the fan service, um, since the since the creator was aware of what we would enjoy, <laughs> um, it didn't come across as... Um, it didn't come across as something that's pandering. I mean, considering how or it's so easy. Yeah. yeah. Considering yes. how everybody's already half naked to begin with. Right. Right. Yeah. And I didn't mean, they like, no. Yes, no, no. Yeah. Like, didn't they even like have like female staff members? Like they asked like, is this okay? Blah, blah, blah. What would be more appealing? And then like the female staff members will like give their opinion. So there was that aspect to free, right? I think I read that in some in some interview. I haven't I haven't heard that, but that that does make sense because I feel like it yeah. was really it was really thoughtful in the way that it that it did try to relate to you know the target audience. Yeah, yeah, which, which is kind of interesting because well the director is female, if I'm not mistaken. And so yeah, I think so. Yeah, so she has she has an I was thinking that she probably had an eye for this and then she also asked the people in the staff to look into it but her experience when I look at her credentials her experience were mostly at uh, really otaku targeted animation and then what I find particularly interesting is they do this as Kat mentioned earlier quite tastefully meaning nothing was done in excess nothing was uh, it, we were just given enough to make us laugh or make us squee. Like the uh, penguin speedo thing was kind of interesting, and how you always have these shots from the backside, you know? Yeah, butt shots when they're butt gonna shots. dive into the pool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, those kinds of things, but nothing was done to a point that we were quite disgusted or quite how do I put it bored with the idea that they're half naked the entire time because it right. can happen because right. there are other series that are that have like a lot of handsome boys mm -hmm. and they're just kind of like fade out you know the interest fades out towards the middle because you know you've already had enough you kind of know they're handsome you kind of know they shake their butt you kind of know yeah. that they're going to take off their clothes and right. so on and i think so it's on. like I think it's like balanced, right? Because they yeah. have like the fan service, like the physical fan service, and then they also have like um, the characters like act in this like appealing way, like cute way. Like they have like these little quirks, so it's like that combination like put together that I think really works. Like I just remember this one part. I don't know which episode, but then like Makoto he like patted his cheeks or something. Like I don't know to like wake himself up or something. Or like 
And I was just like, that really like struck out. Like, it's like a cute little moment. Like all these like little small things that are added to the characters mm-hmm. on top of like the fan service, I think, is like just, you know, balance the things out. Yeah. I think a big big difference between free and a lot of shows that are fan services is the fact that free is legitimately what it is. It doesn't try to be something that it's not because we see all these shows that are supposedly like sports shows or shonen shows who uh, at the same time on the side try to attract the um, you know the generic for Joshi baiting audience by saying like okay we'll give you these slight you know details and slight notes to you know the things that you like but really we are about something completely different free doesn't do that free is actually what i wrote about this question when i was trying to come up with a you know an answer for the uh, the whole turn turned off thing was that that i don't think that the show turned me off by being so blatantly fan services so much as made me perhaps expect a different kind of show because i didn't expect it to have as much plot but i think that is my own fault for thinking that you can't have a show that is both and i don't really feel like defending myself to anyone for liking you know a fan service a show like this because I know what the demographic is and I know that I'm feeding right into it in many ways but then again why is it so bad to enjoy that kind of entertainment for yeah. what it is yeah. I mean right. it does exactly what it tries to do and it does it well and I think yeah. it's just as commendable to do what you're trying to do and do it well as any other type of show so yeah, that is my yeah. opinion <laughs> and I'm sticking to it <laughs> yeah that's, that's, a, that's a thing because I think we were all exposed to all of these shows that gave us all of these fan service things and kind of left us hanging and left us not really disappointed, it's just unresolved. And so finally, right. the great thing with Free was that they finally gave us a story that actually tries to have a, as what Aaron has been pointing out the entire show, is that there's, it has a natural plot that we can follow, mm-hmm. that we can enjoy, with character development that is actually commendable, natural, and not forced. You know, mm-hmm. not, other stories just force it. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there. Yeah, I mean, the biggest biggest sort of nod towards, uh, well, rather, I'd, I'd rather not use the word canonical in this context because there's no actual canonical more than platonic relationship order in this show, like seriously. But even like towards that kind of thing, the biggest thing that we still get is that whole hug thing at the end of episode 12. But still that would would have probably felt forced or fan service in some other show where people would be like, oh my God, they're, they're just throwing that into attractive Fujoshi you know, crowd. But in this, it's just completely organic. They do it because it fits into the show. And it might still be fan service but hey, I'm not completely it's still organic right yeah, they were building well, up to it yeah mm-hmm. and i feel like um for that for that particular hug um when you as a as a fangirl it's more it's less of a it's less it's less of me being a fujoshi and more of like this feeling of relief because yeah. um they had been they hadn't had a good relationship until that point so when haru when rin finally like hugs haru you're just like oh my god um their their friendship is finally you know fixed yeah. so it's it's, it's it's less i mean it's <laughs> actually Yes, it's closure and it's necessary to the story. And it feels pure. Even some things, even some yeah. of the things they do, right? Even some of the things they do that are fan servicey, like if when they put Win in a tank top or his see-through swimsuit that is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> is it really see-through? <laughs> yes, I like in my head canon, it's see-through. It's, just it's, it's, yeah, I'm see-through. just gonna say it's see-through. <laughs> Well, to me, it still feels like it's in, in character. <laughs> it still feels like it's in character and yeah, not, and not yeah. panting. It's, it's natural. It fits into right. the whole, you know, the structure of the things. It doesn't feel like pandering because it, I mean, obviously, we don't need that many shots of, let's say, Makoto's back muscles or stuff, but they're there and they don't hurt anyone. And then all the other stuff, it, it makes sense why it's there. So I'm not going to say that we can't have both. We can't have both the fan service and the organic, natural, you know, plot development. So it, it was just my own fault originally 
originally for expecting that I couldn't get both, and I was really pleasantly surprised to find out that I did. <laughs> so now that three is over and we can take a breath of fresh air, start off until the next season. We've already had our happy tears and so on. But um, next season, we have a uh, title called Megani Boo. Uh, with, uh, Studio Dean. Yeah, with free settings, setting standards this high, do you expect more anime to be like this, or are we going to be back to our drone of fan service anime? <sighs> to be honest, I think that's hard to I, say. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have that high of an opinion on Studio Dean, uh, mostly because well, the the art style doesn't appeal to me, so <laughs> I may just yeah. be biased. <laughs> it it looks a little um it looks a little dated. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, for other do you, for example, with how with the success of Free, do you see yourselves, you know, other animes hopefully being created in the same manner, like yes, twelve well, episodes of anguish and emotional suspense. Oh, I said I, I I would hope that's the case. Like like if this was like the start of a trend of making more shows that are like this that mm-hmm. are really positive about emotions and stuff, then that would be great. But I mean like I'm not like I'm not really expecting the status quo to change that quickly. So yeah, all of us are running on lowered expectations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's cool we have this. Like we like we do have this show, and I'm really thankful for that. So like. If we do get more things like that, it's great. But I mean, I'm honestly just satisfied enough that this anime exists and was in my me life too. and made me happy. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yay! And I guess with that note, um, we can end the show. Uh, I mean, all of us are really grateful. Thank you, Kyoto Animation, for this wonderful gift of free. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you thank so you. much, also, for all of you girls for waking up early and staying up late for this um, podcast recording. It's so much fun talking with you guys and hopefully we'll be back for the second season or maybe maybe if Megani would turn out to be like this awesome anime again <laughs> I'll invite you guys to say guys what did you say at the end of my podcast Megani Boo is that was gonna me. work <laughs> but, but yeah thank you so much everyone and um, thank you thanks thank for you. hosting yeah thank, thank you for hosting Kirsten. Kirsten. Yeah, so, there. so super thank you guys uh, I really appreciate the time and so on